Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Let me introduce you to Professor Derek Richard. On this subject, the treating and reversing aging as a disease. Professor Richard is the scientific director of the Cancer and Aging Research Program, the director of the Queensland Centre for Drug Target Screening and deputy director of the Centre for Genomics and Personalised Health at QUT. He completed his PhD at the University of Dundee in Scotland and moved to Australia where his pioneering work in the field of aging and DNA repair has seen him publish over 140 scientific peer-reviewed papers since starting his research group. His research at the Cancer and Aging Research Program focuses on how DNA repair systems function to protect your genetic code from disease-causing mutations such as cancer and how these protective processes go wrong with age, driving disease initiation. This episode was one of my absolute favorites to host. I first met Dr. Richard at a PR event when he was speaking on behalf of a skincare brand, and I knew straight away that I wanted to know more about his take and research on how aging is actually a disease. To understand the link between diseases such as cancer and aging is truly fascinating. And the good news is that there is already a huge body of research supporting the fact that lifestyle changes we make today can prevent, slow down, and in many instances, reverse aging, as it would other chronic diseases. Professor Richard is applying his expertise to cancer and anti-aging drug development, as well as contributing to the development of a range of state-of-the-art skincare products with Australian brand Ellison Crew to help fund his critical work. His team have developed two therapeutics with one due to enter human trials this year. I'm very, very pleased to introduce you to Professor Derek Richard. Yeah, if you look at the number one risk factor of uh, getting cancer, uh, it's age, uh, w- without a doubt. In, in fact, if you look at uh, many of the pathologies, the diseases that really plague uh, Australia uh, and, and, and the world, uh, they're, they're all linked to age. So if you look at cancer, the risk of getting cancer really doubles uh, every Every year from the age of about 45 years old, uh, your risk doubles, keeps on going all the way up to you're about 85 years old. And for some reason, it plateaus slightly then. Uh, but then you look at other diseases such as dementia. You know, you're uh, from about the age of 60, your risk of dementia doubles every year. Osteoporosis, particularly in women, it's from the age of about 55 to 58. The risk doubles every year uh, after that. So all these diseases uh you know, they're driven by a very, very similar mechanism, and that, that's uh, changes to your genetic code. Uh, and those changes occur as you get older, uh, and these changes are what drives these diseases. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, after we get past a certain age, you know, um, you, you, there, there are things you can obviously do with diet, lifestyle choices, uh, with cancer, uh, and all those are, are related to the fact that they, all those lifestyle choices we can make reduce the stress on your genetic code and therefore reduce cancer risk. But we've still got to accept that two-thirds of all cancers are are not lifestyle-related um, and are driven um, almost purely by age or uh, aging factors. So when you're d- doing the research on 
uh, cancer, what are you researching? Are you re- researching cures? Are you researching the link between uh, chronological aging or intrinsic aging or extrinsic aging? What What is the two worlds and what are the research things that you're doing and what do we need to know as a result of that research that your uh, team are doing? Yeah, look, we, 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 we come in in two different directions. Um, you know, everyone goes after the, the, the cure or should we say treatments for, for cancer. Uh, and we do that ourselves. So we, we, uh, we, we look at the cancer cells, we look what's wrong with the cancer cells, and we start to target the things that have gone wrong in the hope that we can kill the cancer cells. But the other big aim of our, our group is to actually, well, you know, once you get cancer, the horse is kind of bolted uh, out of the stable uh, and, you know, you're, you're trying to catch this horse now and it's difficult. Um, whereas we are also looking at ways of keeping that door shut in, in the first place. Um, and we do that by looking at drugs that will uh, prevent cancer from forming in the first place. Uh, and they're, they're primarily designed to um, protect your genetic code, these drugs. Uh, they're designed to enhance the body's natural defense mechanism against changes to genetic code. Uh, and by doing that, so if you can do those kind of things, you would impact cancer greatly, uh, but you'd also impact dementia, you'd impact um, osteoporosis, et cetera. So the idea is that, so, you know, the, there's a clear link between uh, genetic changes or what we call genetic instability and uh, diseases such as cancer. And we know that when you hit the age of about 40, your body starts to ramp down the proteins in each one of our cells that are responsible for surveying the genetic code, detecting damage and repairing it. So it's it's like your body switches switch when you're about 40, switches down these uh, repair mechanisms. And what then happens is your the, the changes to your genetic code just increase and increase and increase every year, whereas we're normally flatlined it up to that point. And uh, so what we're actually hoping to do is to stop that switch and, and allow your genetic code to be very stable for a very long time. And so you don't actually ever get cancer or, or your risk of cancer it only really starts maybe when you're in your 80s. Uh, or whatever, and it's really, really interesting. It was a, like a, a study just came out, uh, and and it showed that it, people who lived over a hundred years old had one thing in common, and that was that their DNA repair systems were not switched off. Professor Richard, are you saying that it is absolutely possible to turn back the hands of time through uh, reducing the inflammation, reducing the load on your genetic coding, through modifying your epigenetic state? Yeah. I mean, you can't actually turn back time. So once damage has occurred, it's occurred, uh, but you can get the cells to behave more normal. So we can never repair those mutations that you've accumulated over your lifetime. Uh, That's impossible. Um, And I don't think it'll ever be possible to do that because every cell's changes are slightly different. But what we can do is we can uh, switch off uh, that that vicious cycle and and the cells will behave as if they're younger. Uh, So the the cells will go back behaving as if they're younger uh, and your epigenetics will change. So the correct amounts of each protein are being expressed. And so you'll you'll look younger. You won't get disease, uh, early onset disease as you would if you were in a constant chronic inflammation state. So it's, um, yeah, so turning back time is is in certain descriptors such as the changes your genetic code is not possible. But in other ways, it definitely is possible that you can can make somebody, um, their body behave younger. Let's talk about some of the things that the body where the body can behave younger through the modification of your epigenetics. 
Yeah, so well, look, skin skin is obviously a, a very easy one to look at because skin, we, we can t- look at our skin and see it's healthier or not healthy or whatever. So if you change it, you uh, if you can uh, reset the kind of thing, you'll, you'll get that. So a lot of people with age get blotchy skin or whatever. That's inflammation. It's, it's basically inflammation uh, hitting your skin. And so the when pigmentation, you, rosacea, uh, yeah, uneven so, skin tone, that's all a function of inflammation. Yeah, exactly. Pigmentation is your melanocytes just uh, um, going a bit crazy because inflammation is driving them. Um, and so once you get rid of that chronic inflammation state, that pigmentation goes. Now, people always think it's a miracle. They, they, they want a miracle with pigmentation and they, they put on something and after a week it's still there. You know, it's one of these things that the uh, the, the, the pigment uh, has a half-life of about, I think it's about 60 days. Um, so you, you can only ever, even in the best circumstances, you're only going to reduce your pigmentation uh, over a long period of time. Um, but but there are more immediate effects. So, so elastin and collagen, obviously, if you can uh, get the cells to behave uh, younger, those those things are going to change. Uh, muscle tone, uh, etc., cetera, uh, all, all will be impacted. So you, you'll just generally, it, it, you know, if I had to pick one thing that was a, the biggest driver of aging, it's this chronic uh, inflammation state that people enter into and it just drives the damage to your body it drives damage to your genetic code in this vicious cycle that just keeps on on going so you kind of if you can intervene in that so our, our big hope is and, and we're working towards that we've actually got a, a lead drug that we we're working on just now is to switch on the repair systems again the DNA repair systems again now as soon as you do that you end that vicious loop uh, of of inflammation and of um, you know DNA damage etc. Um, so we're trying to you know with these people that live over hundred years old, their switch doesn't work. It doesn't appear to work. So they have enhanced the normal levels of the DNA repair system. So probably the same as they had when they were eighteen, uh, when they're hundred. Um, and so they've they've just accumulated age as a linear factor over time. Um, and so our idea is that we we want to develop a drug that you'll maybe take when you're in your thirties. Uh, and that will stop that switch going off. So keep those repair proteins really high. Uh, they will repair your genetic code. You won't get the mutations. You won't get the inflammation, uh, and you'll you won't get the diseases then that are driven by that that process. And what about resveratrol? I remember you and I spoke about resveratrol being a key, and and I, I guess um, antioxidants, but resveratrol in particular as a superior antioxidant. Yeah, and it's it's uh, its superiority really lies in the fact that it's uh, long lived uh, in our body uh, or on our skin. Um, it's many many antioxidants, uh, really kind of like nicotinamide, have a really short period of activity, uh, and so they do an extremely good job, uh, but they don't last very long. Uh, they're destroyed, chemically degrade over time. Um, whereas resveratrol has a much longer, uh, you know, active period. Uh, and so it gives you the benefit for longer. Uh, so, you know, um, o- oxygen, unfortunately, um, I, I give this talk, we, we require oxygen to live, um, but our genetic code uh, is damaged by oxygen. And that's why in, inside our cells, we, we keep our genetic code in a, an environment that's uh, is surrounded by a membrane and it's kept away from um, oxygen. In, in that compartment. Um, and so what you what you get with antioxidants is in fact that they're just mopping up these oxygen free radicals that would normally damage your genetic code um, and to a certain extent damage proteins, but primarily it's the genetic code's a problem. Uh, and so you, you again, with antioxidants, you're pr- protecting your genetic code, uh, breaking that cycle of inflammation and yeah, 
what are some of the things that we can do to take control of our uh, epigenetics and the damage to our genetic coding? Yeah. So, like, obviously, one hundred percent is um, you know um, sun care, uh, looking after your skin, protecting it from sun. It's you know the, the ultraviolet light does one thing to your uh, uh, skin, and that's damage the genetic code. It directly cross-reacts with uh, DNA and, and chemically changes it, and the body then has to repair uh, all that damage that you you have to your genetic code. So I I always encourage people to put sunscreen on. Um, you know we we do need sunlight, uh, but in Australia the sun, you know the sunlight we actually need in a day is you know half an hour uh, is, is sufficient, uh, and people you know and. You know, we know, for instance, that, you know, melanoma is very uncommon in farmers. Um, and the reason melanoma is uncommon in farmers is really to do with the fact that they uh, receive sunlight every day uh, and the body adapts. So what it does is it ramps up its DNA repair systems in the skin. It then repairs that genetic damage that's happening in the farmers. Uh, skin and the um, melanocytes, uh, and and so they they very rarely get melanoma. Um, however, uh, office workers like me who uh, go out and get uh, what we call uh, acute exposure, so our body hasn't been exposed to sun maybe for. You're uh, Scottish too, so you you know, and Scottish as well, so and you're in Queensland. Yeah, yeah. So we we'll take off the shirt, we'll go to the beach, uh, we'll we'll get an, an acute exposure to sunlight. Uh, our torso, our body is not used to that sunlight, so it doesn't have the repair systems in place to repair that sun damage. And therefore, uh, you end up making uh, changes to your genetic code that could ultimately lead to cancer. What about diet and exercise? In your research uh, for aging and cancer, what are the mm-hmm. steps that we can take? Um, and I know that you and I talked about fasting and intermittent fasting when we met. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. W- what are some of the hard research facts around this and DNA damage or preventing DNA damage? Yeah, like I, I think in, intermittent fasting. Um, it's it's an it's an interesting one. It's uh, like I I, uh, I I I I occasionally do it every every now and again. I don't don't do it all the time because it's hard hard one to always maintain over a long long period of time. But it's uh, you know it, it kind of goes back to what what was naturally uh, the how we we actually functioned. Um, you know, our genetics have a lot to do with how we actually uh, live our lives, you know, where we came from in the in the world. Uh, and you should really factor in your diet uh, considering this. So if you look at Scots people or people from Northern Europe, um, you know, I'm talking about Finland and Scotland and uh, Sweden and Norway and these people, um, the, the majority of the diet uh, would have been from fish for a very, very long time. Um, but then the diet changed over time. Uh, but our body's genetics were set uh, to, to a fish diet. That's what we prefer. So, for instance, Scots people, um, many, many Scots people uh, have uh, don't handle cholesterol. We're, we're missing cholesterol receptors. Um, and it means that we, if you have a meat diet when you're from Scotland, um, you're, you're, uh, you have a risk of heart disease, a much higher risk of heart disease. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. 
Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that. 